part trois. Yes, the third half. The third. We are finally, supposedly, going to wrap up The The Lion, The the Witch, and and The the Wardrobe. wardrobe. That's not the name of the podcast. No, but we said it in the instant. It's true. Yeah. (laughs) But, speaking of which, I'm Matt Kitchen. And I'm Father Eric. And this is After After the the Likeness. Likeness. Hey, did you know that we we had some anti-banter listener feedback? And some pro banter, okay. listener feedback that we talked about on the second half of The Lion and the Witch and the Wardrobe yes. last time. It turns out this is like a thing for like all podcasts. What? I read about it online. I was what looking is? it up. Like the anti-banter and pro banter podcast did listeners. You, did you research podcast banter? I didn't research it, but I kind of <laughs> ran into it. It just happened to come up. Apparently, like, you know, almost every podcast has listeners. Some of them, they usually people, you know, like they hang out and they get to the, like have a little back and forth before they get into whatever super serious topic like ours. The oh, yeah. The Witch and Wardrobe. <laughs> um, and like they catch up. And then some people, some people really love the banter and some people really Are hate dumb. it. That's right. Oh. <laughs> oh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> and some people don't like it. They're mm-hmm. like, get to the point. And other people Golly. are like, I like it. I like hearing about the blah, blah, blah. Yeah. There's so, a fast forward button. There is. 15 I find, seconds at a time. Do you, bleep, bleep, you bleep, listen bleep. to a lot of podcasts? Yeah. You know, like I'm just judging from, you know. Just I look like a podcast listener. <laughs> <laughs> As do I. Um, <laughs> but like... Uh, yeah, what do you do? Do you fast forward to the banter? Do you no. like the banter? Do you hate the banter? I'm too much of a completionist. I have to listen uh, to the whole podcast yeah, or yeah. not at all. Yeah. That's... There's, a, there's a podcast I started over and they keep mm-hmm. going every week. Yeah. But I can only listen to like one a week. So it's like I'll never catch up, but I have to start mm, at the beginning. That's I can't go to the end. So yeah. Eventually they'll never gonna die and yeah, then hopefully. you'll <laughs> be able to slowly catch up. For my up. sake. That's right. <laughs> Oh, yeah. well, anyways, okay, cool. Tell me I, about your week. Oh, actually, um, sorry to bring a serious note to it. it we did have a, a, a just on Friday, my wife, uh, Alex, found out that her father passed away. Um, yeah, it's sad. Yeah, it was very sad. And so it was, I mean, and it was one of those things, you know, sometimes deaths are sudden, totally unexpected. Sometimes, you know, you expect them for a while. This was kind of in between. He, you know, we were kind of expecting, but didn't exactly know when. Um, and so this week, basically, we've been mourning um, yeah. and like been with her and her family. And um, it's hard to lose a parent, and for sure. So, um, so, and yeah, it's 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 inter- It's been interesting in that you know, Al- my wife Alex is also a priest. For those listeners that didn't know, um, and uh, and so mine, we went to the same seminary. And uh, we're kind of trained in grief a bit because we do a lot of funeral stuff. Yeah. Last rites, visiting people in hospitals. You go through the stages. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. And so we know all about it up and down, back and mm-hmm. forth intellectually, but it's always like... Yeah, it's different. <laughs> exactly. It's different when you're doing it. So it's... Um, it's like how, you know, yeah. the therapists need therapists, you know? It's that's like, right. Exactly. <laughs> it's exactly. easy to tell other people their problems. It's mm-hmm. hard to look your own in the face. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Same principle, you know? That's exactly the same principle. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. So, um, so yeah, that's been kind of the big, the big thing this week. And, uh, you know, it'll kind of be the big thing probably in our... Y- y- I'd say like major grieving 
usually takes about a year, you Oof, know, like just that's, to, a lot. that's hard. Yeah. I mean, obviously it gets, it's the hardest when you find out and sort of in the week and month or two, um, after that, usually mm-hmm. the, the reason why actually in, in our Christian tradition, like the reason why 40 days is always associated with penance and likes and stuff like that is for a long time in Christian and Jewish tradition, 40 days is kind of associated with death too. It's like, the journey of the soul to its final resting place takes 40 days in the tradition of the church and of, of uh, uh, ancient Israel too. And there's, it's not of course just the journey that the soul of the person who died goes on, but also the family who's lost them. And like, um, so we see, and that's usually about, you know, about Lent sized yeah. time there when, uh, um, uh, uh, and so, like, you know, that for us, uh, you know, these next 40 days probably will uh, be a pretty, um, that's kind of the time in which you go through all of those phases. For and sure. Whatnot, so, so yeah. Well, yeah. I'm here for so you, So what's up with you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Way to bring it thank down. You. Yeah. Uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for asking. I know, I know you and uh, Sable know all about it and been yeah. praying for So really do appreciate that. Prayers of course. Are, of course. Yeah. So necessary in these yeah. times. So, yeah. Yeah. But what's yeah. going on with you? Nothing. No. Great. <laughs> cool. No, we just, uh, we just had Labor Day. Yeah. Which was a nice little three-day weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, For some. We didn't do anything. <laughs> I'm sorry, priest. <laughs> I work Sundays. Isn't that against the law? I don't know. Uh, I know. I working know. Sundays. Yep. What are you doing? <laughs> I keep sending letters to the you know National Labor Relations yeah. Board, but they don't. How come Chick-fil-A can take off, but you can't? <laughs> They're like, we're off for religious reasons. Uh, yeah, Sounds like right. a logical argument the for scandal, a priest. The scandal, the church <laughs> making people work on Sundays is terrible. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like we're on to something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, not a lot happened. Um, oh, I did have uh, my, I don't know if people, I don't know if I've talked about this. I, I do karate and I had a mm-hmm. tournament. There's only, Sweet. so our school puts on a tournament like, once a year yeah and it's the only one that our sensei is like you must go to this one he doesn't say you must because yeah. he doesn't want to say that like outright but he's mm-hmm. saying it you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i hate like, i'm just you don't have to go you don't have to be a part of this club it's fine you know it's your choice your choice yeah but you, you want to bring shame on your family <laughs> up to you (laughs) (laughs) but i just hate tournaments i'm just not a competitive person Mm -hmm. like i don't do it to be you know bruce lee i do it to exercise and hang out with. well you don't want to embarrass the other of course yes Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) so i went showed up got my salad eighth out of eight and (laughs) yeah said all right i'm gonna go eat some food now That is, is a good tournament. That is, is a successful <laughs> tournament. Go through the motions. <laughs> it's a good times. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am a, a red belt now. Cool. In a couple months, I'll hopefully be moving up to brown. It's been three Whoa. years. Three years of doing this. Yeah. Like our, our, our sensei doesn't take it lightly. It's good. A, like when you... Become mm-hmm. a black belt, which I have to be a brown belt for two years before I be black Whoa, belt. Whoa, that's And cool. then the black belt test is like two days long. Yeah. You have to run a bunch of miles and you have to do a bunch mm-hmm. of different forms. You, you have to fight several people at the end. And then you have that's to, cool. uh, after all said and done, break 
a cinder block. So whoa, that'll uh, be sweet. <laughs> well, please invite me to that. All right, I'll I want to invite you to the last part. Yep. There. <laughs> it's right down the street. So. Yeah, <laughs> especially the cinder block part. Yeah, definitely that's the only part. <laughs> I yeah, I don't want to. I don't have to be there for the running really? miles. <laughs> Can't keep but, up. So so the conclusion of it mm-hmm. before right before the brick breaking yeah. is the fight which you you fight three different people one at a time and then two at a time and then two at a time and then Whoa. all three at one time and cool and really uh, my only goal is yeah. to not win but I want to be the first one yeah. to laugh the whole way through it <laughs> <laughs> that's my only goal I think you'll <laughs> achieve that yep yep I'm, I'm gonna see if knowing. I can just talk my way out of it <laughs> yeah that's right hey man hey man it's cool it's cool it's cool we're friends right yeah come on bro you want to hit a guy with glasses yeah exactly <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Uh, but anyways, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, besides that, we, we took uh, Ivy to a Halloween store because she's a big mm. fan of that. Yeah. Actually, she really wanted this year to prove she was brave because last yeah. year she was scared of something there. Oh, this yeah. year she's like, uh, she's like the whole year she's mm. been like, we're going to go to that Halloween store. Yeah. I'm going to be brave. <laughs> I'm going to be brave. <laughs> and hey, she was. So awesome. Kudos to the little chicklet. Did she have fun? <laughs> she did. She loved yes. it. Yes. <laughs> that's cool. We're, we'll have to check out a Halloween store this year. I feel like that's like part of it. It's almost it like for yeah. a little kid, it's like a haunted house almost. Oh, yeah. Know? Like exactly. Yeah. I am. I'm like just really trying to will in fall too. Mm-hmm. I'm like going all in on the pumpkin stuff. Oh, I'm yeah. Just mm-hmm. I, I put on like a long sleeve shirt here and there. Just yep. like, come on, man. Yeah, that's right. I don't care. <laughs> yep. If you wear it, it will come. <laughs> so come on, fall. It's yeah. Too it is kind of cool summer. today. It, it cooler. Like it was cool. Yeah. Cooler. Not, it's not cool in, by any means. Yeah. Your but Canadian like, friends are going Texas, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Keep in mind, people who live around the world, Texas is so hot. This summer has been unbearable. Yes. Yeah. This summer Likes we got heat. some rain yeah <laughs> usually september is just indistinguishable from mm-hmm. august yeah. you know like it's mm-hmm. just like oh it was 106 in august now it's 104 Woo! in september that's like the cooling <laughs> off reprieve yeah that's right <laughs> but it is a little cooler these mm-hmm. last couple weeks thanks to some rain we got so yeah thanks, we finally got moisture. some rain that's been nice yeah i know our our ongoing thing for a while here was uh that it rained every time we podcast that's right yeah we were doing our part yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, well so we got to bring it back bring it back Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh anything to talk about from church on sunday as part of that segment oh yeah what do you think did you have any things about the sermon or i've already forgotten every bit of everything okay good great yep (laughs) i accept the feedback It's not your fault, man. <laughs> Y'all guys were rocking it though for on music team. Like you had some tracks prepared. You oh, were yeah, like yeah, doing yeah. well. That's the thing I've been trying when I good. when I play the music, you know, yeah. instrumentally solo. Uh I have, you know, a, a couple of the church members sing with me who are awesome. Um but yes, no one indeed. else playing instruments, so I created some backing tracks for yeah. some of the songs. It's kind of fun. They were cool. It was cool. <laughs> like I have a band. Yeah. <laughs> I miss it. I miss my band. <laughs> But uh, the the crew's back this week, I hear. So yes, that's we'll right. Be back to normal. I'll be rad. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was a, it was a good week. I don't I don't have any complaints about church. Does that make you feel better? Yep, feels yeah. great. Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> you no, want to talk cool. about this book or what? Yeah, let's finish we, it up. We have forty nine minutes 
to wrap up this book. All right. And I'm pretty sure everyone else just hit stop on this podcast. Anyway. They're like, not more of this book. Yeah. They're but- like, oh, please, more banter, but no more of the. <laughs> we know what yeah. they tune in for. Yeah, that's right. And it's not exactly. C.S. Lewis. That's right. It's Cinderblock. Cinderblock. <laughs> <laughs> that one's stung. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So where were we? I asked you before and you said you think <laughs> I always feel bad for the people who are like, if there is a future of this podcast yeah. and people are binging it, yeah, like, like they got to just get to the next in episode. In 2043. Like, freaking guys, dude. Yeah. We just, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. why do you never remember anything from two weeks ago? I, yeah. Two weeks know. is a long it time. It is a long time. <laughs> At least in t- here but, in 2022. But when you're binging and you heard of one like five minutes ago, yeah. I mean, it's got to just be. Yeah agonizing yeah. please yeah. keep in mind we're not professionals <laughs> no but yeah we yes, were my thought was we were just arriving at the beaver lodge yeah like the four have all jumped yes. into the wardrobe on accident yeah. and now they're uh, gonna go meet the beeves yeah that's right so they're in the lucy's here in narnia for the third time yeah she went by herself then she went with edmund although they were separated in there that's when edmund met the witch and like made a secret deal with her, and now all four of them are back in there. Edmund has been outed as someone who per- went to Narnia and then per- still pretended it didn't exist out of spite towards his sister Lucy, and because he didn't want her to get more attention than him. And so now they're all four back in Narnia, and they've discovered that Tumnus, Lucy Tumnus. wanted them to go meet Tumnus, who, who was, you did mention in I, your who sermon. I mentioned in the sermon. I remember that's that. right. Yep, it's been on my mind, guys. Don't worry. Um, I did shake my head at you. Yep. <laughs> Up Which and down. I hope like, you yes, felt yes. in your heart mm-hmm. and soul. Yeah. <laughs> what can I do? You, you preach what you know. Um, but so Tumnus, the fawn who had taken care of and helped Lucy escape, uh, go back to her world. Uh, right after he said he was going to. Right. He was going to kidnap witch. her or whatever. Yeah. yeah. He's gone. And it looks like, according to a note left on the floor of the destroyed door um he's been captured by the witch's secret police which are headed up by malgrim 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 the wolf yeah yeah the wolves are on her side for the most part anyway so the four there they're like well what do we do now should we should obviously go home this is not a safe place he's been arrested where's that lamppost humans yeah (laughs) humans are being you know hunted here um by whoever's in charge but they see this bird that's like sort of like conspicuous because it's like a robin in winter it's like hey what's Mm -hmm. that bird doing and it seems to be leading them further and further into the forest and so they kind of follow they're like oh hey bird you know where we're going and like hops along and waits for them to come and they go further into the forest so by the they keep following this bird by the time they realize like hey we don't actually know like is this bird on our side is it on the side of the witch we no longer know where we are in this forest and so we're lost mm-hmm. right about that time they see a little creature you know like uh nosing through the forest and sort of poking its head at them and looking at them it turns out to be a beaver and he <laughs> like ushers them and it's like a sort of tall beaver like all the talking animals in Narnia are kind of like extra tall you can kind of tell they're like talking beasts <laughs> yeah 
And uh, he gathers them and he tells them basically like, okay, hey, I'm we're on your side. You're the four, you know, sons of Adam, and daughters of, course, of Eve. They just go, oh, okay, yeah, and they're like, they yeah, believe okay, everything. that's great. It's <laughs> <laughs> my biggest problem with this whole book. Is it? They're always just like, yeah, sounds good. Well, <laughs> here's the cool thing about that. You can right? pet a lion, sweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they're scared of Aslan. That was in my sermon too. That's um, true. I yeah. remember that. <laughs> but um, kind of. Yeah, but uh. uh that's it's interesting you say that because like when Lewis and um and Tolkien would talk about and write about sort of the fairy realms or elf land they'd call it sometimes mm-hmm. like this sort of the imaginary's realm which to them imaginary didn't mean not existing but it meant like a reality you're accessing through your imagination like mm. a spiritual reality like like I we've talked about before they really believed that like not that like Narnia existed literally as an actual place you could go to, but that these places that we encounter through myth, through stories, um, like you're actually interacting with with real mm-hmm. reality. In some cases, realities that are more real than the physical realities that we interact with. Um, but uh, the, their whole thing was like they studied fairy tales. They studied um, Elfland and like both grown up and child fairy tales. And they took them very seriously. Cause they're like, this is, these are truths that pe- and realities that people are touching. Uh, one of their, their things they would call it is the perilous realms. Ooh. So like Elfland, it's like a magical place, but it's always perilous, right? It's like, mm-hmm. Oh, you come across, you know, a house made of candy in the woods. It's like, Ooh, that seems cool. But it's like, nice. watch out. You might get eaten by a witch, you know, Aww. it's like, <laughs> There, you can't always trust everything. Um, mm-hmm. But on the other hand, balancing that out, like Lucy does trust Tumnus, right? And it turns out what? He was kidnapping her mm-hmm. <laughs> the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like it's perilous all through Narnia as well. Like there's all these close calls and, you know, um, Edmund as well, who like meets this queen. Ooh, Turkish delight. Exactly. And he ignores the signs, you mm-hmm. know, like he ignores the signs that she's obviously evil. Um and is like uh, tricked by her, but um, on the other hand, the there's this concept that Tolkien had, and Lewis used it too, called "you catastrophe." So "you" means good, like uh, euphoria. I think we talked about this last time. Did we? Oh I think man, so. I hope maybe this was on the last episode though. Maybe I don't remember. Oh, that okay, last episode's messing this that, up for that's everybody. Right. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> if we had talked about this before, I'll just briefly like "you catastrophe." "You" is good, like euphoria, mm-hmm. or, um, and catastrophe is like a terrible. <laughs> Not a terrible, but like a totally unexpected occurrence. And so like all the time you see this in Tolkien and Lewis in in, uh, The Lord of the Rings and Chronicles of Narnia. There are these, there's always a chance in the perilous realms that something good might happen. And to them, this signified like the spiritual realms are dangerous, Mm -hmm. but they're made by God too. And so like they're even more than here. Like sometimes... You know, like if you put it all out there, you know, the world just helps you, you know, like the, the, you know, like a, the, it, there's something comes along that you, that can save you, um, sometimes even randomly. Mm-hmm. So like, and I think this was on the last episode. So like in the, in the, in the Lord of the Rings, you better hope so. Yeah, that's right. Or rather in the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings, people there are all about times, the banter. I need you to jump on. Yeah, this. that's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> Get on this people. Um, there are these times where the Eagles come 
and save like uh for instance like bilbo and the dwarves in the hobbit um they're like on these burning trees surrounded by wolves who are like apparently universally evil um in both these realms uh but the eagles come along and in the movie the hobbit this is shown as like gandalf like sort of whispers to a bug and the bug goes gets the eagles and the eagles Mm -hmm. come and save them in the book, it's not that. It's just the eagles randomly. They have really good eyesight. <laughs> they see these fires. They're like, they hate orcs and they hate wolves because they're evil. E- eagles are good, mm-hmm. um, although terrifying. <laughs> um, uh, giant eagles. And so they're like, oh, we're going to go save them. And so it's like this instance of you catastrophe where it's like, well, you take a risk and you do your best. And sometimes, you know, like sometimes you go into the candy um uh, you know, candy house and it's, it's a witch that <laughs> uh-huh. wants to eat you. But sometimes you go into a really dangerous situation, not expect knowing the way out and boom, something happens to help you. So like, that's kind of like, that's part of that. That is, I know like legitimately CS Lewis wants people to understand mm-hmm. because that's the nature of reality for them. You know, sometimes the safe path is actually, much more is a doomed path and the path that you can't see the end of that is dangerous and like a path of sacrifice and possibly being, you know, like sometimes you just get in there and then it's not until you're in there that you actually see the way out. Um, and so I'm going for the candy house, man. I'm yeah, that's right. <laughs> candy house then, right? That's the lesson we all want to take. <laughs> but like following the bird is like that. It's like, well, they didn't know what else to do, mm-hmm. you know, but they knew they had this obligation to like help Tumnus because mm-hmm. he had helped Lucy. Like, so they had to do something. This bird knows the way. <laughs> that's right. So they're like, all right, well, here we go. They didn't know. They literally knew no one else in Narnia. And they happened, thank God, to uh, come across like he, the bird was on their side leads them to the beaver so the beaver leads him back to his house which you know there's this frozen over dam that's right the birds and the beavers um here like lewis like lewis loves loved animals um which is why like i mean like the whole he just loved animals so much um and really respected them as like um actually so when he died um which was i guess just a little over 50 years ago now Whoa. Um, maybe it was 50 years uh, today or 60 years today. Today? Or not today, but this this November. <laughs> he died no, on the same day. You know the month? Come on. I do. Well, he, he died on the same day as JFK. What? Uh, which is why, like, people kind of didn't... It kind of passed under the radar because yeah, that was the big like news. Kind of a thing. Um, uh, but, uh, uh, so, so, yeah, in 1963. Um, but... Interestingly, when he died, it turned out that he basically had uh, given away almost all of his money to like the anti-vivisection league, which doesn't have an analogy to today, except for maybe like PETA or something. Not exactly PETA. He wasn't a vegan or vegetarian. He Mm -hmm. thought like there are ethical ways of like eating animals, but like he thought vivisection, which is testing on animals, basically like cutting animals open and testing on them, like not just for makeup, but drugs. And like, there was this whole movement mm-hmm. in his time. And he talks about this in other books too, like in that hideous strength, that um, sci-fi book, mm-hmm. the bad guys, you kind of know they're bad guys because one of the things they do is they create this huge vivisection lab where they're just experimenting on animals. Ugh. And he thought this was horrible. He thought this was like the, 
the exact opposite of what humans were called to be like from Genesis, like we're called to care for the animals. Mm -hmm. And he believed even like, you know, like the reason why, uh, why if you ask people like, are there dogs or cats in heaven? Lewis would have been like, uh, yeah. And like, <laughs> he thought that because he literally All dogs thought, go to heaven. that's yeah. right. I've seen it. Yeah, exactly. We've seen that movie. <laughs> Everyone's seen it. Um, uh, bad theology in that movie, but, um, we all cried. <laughs> it doesn't matter. We all cried. Yeah. It's so true. <laughs> but, um, but he believed like our job as humans was to ennoble animals, like raise their spiritual level up, you know? And that's what he sees happens when people have like really close relationship with pets. Like it's kind of like the velveteen rabbit who's like loved into existence, loved into reality, mm -hmm. our love and care for animals, even animals that we eat, even like cows and stuff like that too. Like it raises them to a nobler level, gives them a, a share in our human dignity, which is a share in God's dignity and stuff mm. like that. So he just loved animals uh, so much. So they meet these animals and the animals are so awesome in They're his, sweet. in Narnia. Yeah. Uh, he, Mr. And Mrs. Beaver are like this, like sort of very English couple. Yeah. Like a classic, <laughs> like, I don't know if they're even supposed to be that old, but just like a grandma and grandpa. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. She's like sewing on yeah. the sewing machine and like they talk and they have a little door and entrance into their lodge and like, um, Mr. Beaver's all humble about the like den he's built and stuff like that. He's like, Oh no, it's still a work in progress. <laughs> And then they sit down and they kind of explain to the Pevensey kids, like, what's going on, right? Um, and, you know, who the White Witch is. And they mention Aslan. And they're like, oh my gosh, Aslan, who's that? Like, it sounds so cool, but also fearful um, of him at the same time, just, just at hearing his name. But the, the cool thing about that is, and you'll find this in, like I said, the whole sort of like English Christian literature tradition um, all of the books and stories that are sort of articulating the Christian story, they're all interestingly very cozy. And, you know, part yeah. of that is English, but like it's also theological. So like in Harry Potter, in The Lord of the Rings, mm -hmm. in C.S. Lewis, even in Madeline Langle's The Wrinkle in Time, like all mm -hmm. these series, like if you read through them, there's all these odd, very specific descriptions of like the meals people eat it's like and they sat down and oh he made the hot chocolate and he mm, sipped on it and like and there was a nice warm fire and like it really goes into detail with those things and that's not an accident either it's like um there's actually a line in like uh in uh in tolkien uh one of the and i think the hobbit too which is like it's the everyday little acts of like kindness and togetherness that hold back the darkness, hmm. you know, like, and so here's these little beavers and they've just been holding down the fort against evil, against the white witch who can control the weather and like has a secret police. And how do they do it? They just keep the t tea kettle on and they're like, they're, you know, inviting people in and eventually, you know, like uh, Abraham who invited in angels unaware, they invite in, they're ready then to like support and give comfort to um, the four kings and queens of Narnia who are going to set them free. Mm -hmm. And so it's like this whole thing where it's like uh, part of our calling as Christians 
are is just to love each other in the simplest way possible. Mm -hmm. Like not necessarily go out there and be like, I will die here on the square for the sake of Christ or whatever, (laughs) you know, like sometimes we're called to do that and we do that. But like, it's just like, you know what? I'm just going to do my best in this life to provide goodness and warmth and comfort to the people in my life and other and invite others into that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that is like a huge calling. That's the calling of a Christian household is to like be good and invite people, other uh, others into that goodness, you know, just yeah. food and family and fellowship and like all those F words, the Christian F words, wait a minute, dropping some F bombs. <laughs> But yeah, I'll leave that one alone. <laughs> this thing is for children. Yes. This is a children's show. <laughs> All right. So the beavers then say, well, actually, yeah. Edmund disappears, right? That's, That's what right. Next. So Edmund, like, wait a minute. Where's the little dorky kid? Exactly. Yeah. And then it's over. Okay. So he, <laughs> yeah, he runs off. He's made a deal with the white witch. He's on the way yeah. to her castle. He's supposed to bring his brothers and sisters along. They don't come with this too. Is like analogous, right? It's symbolic there as well. It's like the reason, and C.S. Lewis, for him, his own conversion story very much was his imagination, his heart, even his body were kind of uh, oriented to God long before his mind came along for the ride. Ah. It It was his friend Tolkien who finally sort of made it all click for him intellectually, but his mind was the last thing to go along. And in fact, because of his exposure to great children's literature from George MacDonald that very much inspired him to want to do these stories mm-hmm. and introduce more people to the gospel before they could even understand it rationally. Um, uh, he, he, his, he, he said like, you know, like my imagination was baptized since I was a teenager, since I read this book. Um, and like, so he, wanted he learned to love and want christianity long before he could even accept that it possibly even could be true and so like i said before sort of like the four children kind of represent the four aspects of the soul like edmund represents the mind um and uh that part of our humanity and so here it's like the mind's like running off by itself even though the rest of humanity there there, it's going on faithfully, even without <laughs> without the mind, and the mind will catch up later. And for him too, it's like the mind is that part of us which most easily falls, mm-hmm. because our thoughts we can we're so smart as human beings, right? We are <laughs> some, like some, 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 <laughs> but like as you know, like we have this amazing capacity for abstract reasoning and rationality and it's a beautiful thing it can help us see the truth and cut through bs like no other right but as much as it can cut through that it can spin it Mm. and like because we are fallen right we often want the wrong thing it's so easy for us to sort of like use our reason to rationalize (laughs) justify (laughs) yeah what we want and like so like so so reason is is off. Um, and it's, it's not an anti-reason thing, right? Lewis, we'll see what happens to Edmund, but like, uh, Lewis is not anti-reason. He doesn't think faith is just something, well, get rid of your thoughts. Those are dumb. No reason comes along too. Um, but anyway, so, uh, Edmund goes, he finds out who the witch really is. Cause he goes to her house yeah. and she's a real jerk. She's like, you don't even have your brother and sister. <laughs> loser. That's right. 
She pretty and much so says that. <laughs> she almost just kills him and yeah. is just like, well, actually, I think you could be more useful to me dead or alive or yeah. alive than dead. But like, Bait. yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Even then, though, Edmund's like, well, maybe tomorrow she'll be nicer. You know, like <laughs> he's like really deluded himself, which but he is the smartest Turkish of them. Delight. Yeah, exactly. But you see there, too. It's like, oh, you're just you're lying to yourself. <laughs> right. Um, and so uh, but meanwhile, Lucy and Peter and Susan, they go off with the beavers once they notice Edmund's gone. They're like, we got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. We know what happened. Um, they they go off to the stone table to meet Aslan, where Aslan supposed, supposedly landed. And um, they're marching through the snow. Luckily, it's snowing, so their tracks get covered up. And they basically, they go to yet another little beaver hidey hole, which is nowhere near as nice. It's basically <laughs> just a hole in the ground. But there, too, there's that little bit of like, you yeah. know, like uh, the, the Mrs. Beaver brings yeah. one snacks. <laughs> and it talks about like, here's some hot cocoa and like all this stuff. And like... Um, and it's again like uh, even in the dark times, like just the little creature comforts are going to get us through. Mm-hmm. So then they almost they think they're getting busted because a big sled rolls yeah. up and they hear the bells. Which, as we know, that's what the uh, White Witch exactly traveled upon. Yes, jingle upon. jingle all through. Yeah, that's right. I mean, mm-hmm. With she she Whence. traveled in it. Still, yeah, she's in. Uh, Whence upon tired, a sled man. she went. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, but they go up and what is it? Who is it? Do you remember? It's not Santa Claus. It's Santa. Yeah, I mean, Father it's Father Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what, you know, Santa, Father Christmas, St. Nicholas, all the same person. Chris, oh, okay. Christopher Columbus. Um, you Groovy. Know, just kidding. <laughs> Christopher Columbus. <laughs> yep. And he says, what's up, little kids that's right want some gifts from this big old gift sack and they're like yeah and he's like i have the perfect thing for each of you yes he does which are which are so he gets gives them gifts he gives lucy uh the gift of a little vial that heals people Mm -hmm. i think i can't remember if she got a dagger too maybe so these gifts are very like rpg yes (laughs) they are (laughs) i feel like you'd play Mm -hmm. in like uh, i don't know like final fantasy or something well that's because (laughs) interestingly RPGs are essentially based off Tolkien and Lewis's ideas there. That's interesting. Yeah. So like, okay, quick sidebar, quick oh sidebar boy. here. I'm what sorry. I'm sorry. We'll get back to Father Christmas, <laughs> little boys and girls. Don't worry. But um, so it used to be tabletop wargaming mm-hmm. was the predecessor to like Dungeons and Dragons, uh-huh. right? Okay. Um, and you would play it was invented actually i've learned um by the prussians who were the first people who used it to who used tabletop gaming to like train their officers and they dominated <laughs> prussia doesn't exist anymore but yeah, for a while they dominated <laughs> europe they they were amazing because they were training uh their their officers based on like Strategy. tabletop warn game yeah. yeah and like all these dice games and so like People kept playing them into the like uh, 50s and 60s. And then um, uh, uh, Gary Gygax was one of them. And then another one who invented D&D. They were these tabletop (laughs) war gamers. And people started playing fantasy tabletop war gaming. Well, then the Lord of the Rings came out. And it was like this great epic adventure in the fantasy. Like the fantasy genre was sort of just getting, still getting off the ground in like the 60s, 70s, 80s. (laughs) um, And like capturing people's imaginations. And so 
they were wondering, they wondered, they, um, Arneson was the name of the other guy who invented D&D. They were like, hey, what if we may use the rules of tabletop wargaming where you're, you have armies, right? It's all armies and terrain. <coughs> uh, what if we had a game so that we could start with just an individual player and it's sort of the story of how someone went from, you know, like this individual who, in these groups of individuals who went on quests yeah. like the, in the Lord of the Rings and then eventually built up to having armies and then we play the table, the war part. Um, and so D&D was born Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, so fantasy role-playing games. And so basically, if you read like the, uh, old school D and D manuals, which I have, it's oh, it's essentially like it's essentially just like Lord of the Rings rules, you know, like that's it. It's like <laughs> wizards are what they are there, you know, like and the monsters and the orcs and like all that stuff. There's a little bit of the sort of like more. Uh, Tolkien was not risque. He was a very conservative, faithful <laughs> Roman Catholic uh, professor. Um, Smoked a pipe, really great guy. Uh, <laughs> at that point, more risque aspects of like sort of like Conan the Barbarian, like, Whoa. you know, scantily clad women and warriors and stuff like that. So a little bit of that mixed in. But for the most part, it's like that's what it is. It's very clear rules of good and evil <laughs> and like um, all the characters and stuff like that. So have you all that is to say like this, the origins of mm-hmm. RPGs, a Final Fantasy of like uh, I don't know World of Warcraft yeah, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. This is part of the minds that <laughs> from which it sprung. We had a yeah. Sega Genesis game called Shining Force. Yeah, it was like that, and uh, we played it far too often. But it was back in the <laughs> days when like you couldn't save. You know? Oh yeah, you just so gotta you would keep just going. Help, keep on all night. Hope it didn't right. jam. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Hope the power didn't go out briefly. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Have you or rolled like, a twenty-sided die before? Dice yes. Oh, I've die. got I've got a few. <laughs> Just, yeah. Are you or have you been a D and Der? Yes. So I did my, not know this about you. My first D and D game was actually entirely differently <laughs> as a graduation gift at seminary. Our uh, our liturgy professor Nathan Jennings, who future guest on our show, actually. Hey. Um. He loves D and D. He loves old school D and D. The old rules. And um, I mean, don't we all? Yeah, that's right. And so he <laughs> DM'd a game for the graduating seniors, and he's done that like every year. And so, like, it was an all day thing in our library at the seminary, which is like in this room where it's like all these old books. It uh, Tolkien would feel very much at home. <laughs> and like, we just played all day, and I was oh like, this gosh. is awesome. <laughs> and so, after that, when I moved back to Austin, where he lives, where the seminary is, yeah. I played in weekly games there. With him, oh, and then <laughs> now he DMs about every month or so. What is DMs? Uh, oh, uh, Dungeon Master. Oh, He's boy. The I was Dungeon hoping Master. it didn't mean that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, you can also call it Game Master if you're super lame, but Dungeon Master. Um, he DMs a, a game, a monthly game on Zoom for myself and a, a bunch of other clergy from like around the country. Uh, we like do it. It's great. <laughs> Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, that's exactly right. It is five cools. That's how cool it is. Super five cool. It probably is a blast, honestly. It is. It's really fun. I just, ah, man. Yeah, I like it better in person than on Zoom because it's fun to like be hanging out and eating, yeah. you know, Doritos or whatever. Yeah. It's mostly an Turkish excuse to delight. drink Dr. Pepper. Yeah, that's right. Mountain Dew. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There is zero difference between these games and fifth graders playing, by the way. Yeah. But so sidebar. Yes. 
they get gifts just like in gaming because mm-hmm. gaming literally comes from this genre. I mean, That's not crazy. just this genre, but literally this person and his buddy like sort of That's set wild. the rules. <laughs> now, again, they are both classicists. So they studied ancient myths, mm-hmm. ancient like epic war poetry, all that stuff. Right. So it's not like they made it up. Like the hero always gets boons, you know, like, and so they get boons. They get these gifts that are going to help them on their quest from father Christmas, mm-hmm. father Christmas, of course, as I said before, like, you know, about the seven books, all sort of being representative of the seven spheres of the planet. Yes, yes. So yeah, this is what's the giveaway of this being sort of the Jupiter or, um, a Zeus, Mm-hmm. themed one um or which is like uh father christmas is is like giver of gifts partier you know like especially in english culture it's like it's christmas is a big old party you know like all the time all day every day it's, it's great beautiful yeah <laughs> so like giver of gifts also winter turning into spring um lewis kind of mentioned this in some poetry as well mm-hmm. um but uh, but so he's he's using that as the theme for this book of like after the long stillness, joy and springtime and gifts and fun coming back into the world. Yes. Um, and Jupiter, of course, in the ancient pagan, uh, he talks about how like I can't remember in which book, but how Jupiter and Zeus are the gods that the pagans most often confused with god the father like Uh, the actual god right because they thought of him as so great and this joyful giver of gifts Mm -hmm. and so it's like the one that is most reflective of sort of the the fatherliness right of father christmas the father you know like of of god our father Mm -hmm. um but that's that's sort of the tone that's the theme um so Basically, they get gifts. Lucy gets those healing gifts Mm -hmm. and the little dagger to defend herself. Um, uh, Susan gets a bow and arrow, Mm -hmm. shoot from afar, and um, and a horn Mm -hmm. by which she can blow for aid in any situation. So, like, it's a big old loud horn. If she blows it, someone's going to help her. It's like magic. Um, And then, uh, yeah. uh, um, Peter. Peter. Yeah, thank you. Peter gets uh, a shield and a sword and mm-hmm. I think maybe a helmet too or something like that. So like the armor of, of a warrior, the armor of God. Armor of God. That's right. And here's the thing, right? Uh-oh. Edmund, <laughs> P- Father Christmas has gifts for Edmund too, but he doesn't get them because he's not there, right? Mm-hmm. So he didn't show up. Blew it. So he doesn't get the gifts and he never gets them. It's like, this was a theme for Lewis too. It's like, look... God always redeems us and always makes us whole and like brings us forward. And he'll, if we miss out on something because of sin or neglect or whatever it is, he always takes what we do. Even if it's, even if it's evil, he'll take it and he will make it into something even better. But we will miss out on the gift that he intended, Mm -hmm. you know, like, so like talks about like the gift that God intended Adam and Eve to receive if they had been obedient in the garden of Eden, like we'll never know what that was, you know, like there's a trap there. So he's making uh, a clear, this sort of sense of tragedy. It's like, yes, God redeems you. God loves you. God forgives you. God brings you sometimes even to greater things, but like 
you loss is loss, you know, yeah. like the sin really does break things and it hurts things, you know, and, and there's some things you just can't get back. You know, you can't get back time. You can't get back uh, certain things. So, mm-hmm. so that's what happened. So basically now it's a race as, as you were saying that, I was just curious because yeah. you made me think of the gifts. I was thinking of wizard of Oz mm-hmm. and I was like, I wonder if Frank Baum was mm. any, uh, certain religion. I just looked it up and, he was Episcopalian for a little bit, apparently. Oh, all right. That's close <laughs> like, enough. I'll take it. I'll take it. Yep. <laughs> we'll take that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems like it just fits in with the crew, you know? Yeah. But as I'm reading further, maybe not at all. So I don't know. I'll yeah. get back to you on this one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyway, it says he, uh, he was originally Methodist, but joined the Episcopal Church mm. in Aberdeen to participate in community theatricals. That's cool. But then he was encouraged by Matilda Jocelyn Gage to become a member of the Theosophical Society. Oh, yeah. In 1892. Step off the path there. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I'm I'm familiar with the Theophysists. Theoph- Theophilus? Yeah. Theoph- yeah. <laughs> They're, uh, uh, I think it was Madame Blavatsky was their founder. Mm. They're sort of spiritualists. Okay. Um, so kind of a semi-occult tradition um gotcha but right thanks frank yeah Blew thanks it. a lot yep you were, you were so close and yeah. then yeah. just being theatricals yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> pay no attention to the man behind the <laughs> so after they get these gifts in the yeah. movie i was wondering if this is in the book or not mm-hmm. i couldn't remember yeah where they like walk across the river as the ice is no breaking. that's not in the book i didn't think so i was yeah. like i don't remember this but i yeah. don't know i black out a lot when that's right so in the movie there's this scene where it's like okay they're going and winter is melting now. yeah like that's something we did christmas mention. has come yeah. like the the whole power of the witch was that it's always winter and never christmas that's how it's described now Christmas has come. Father Christmas, mm-hmm. he's going. He's not just visiting oh, them. Oh, oh. He's going around giving people gifts all over Narnia. Yay! <laughs> and then the the snow starts melting, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, the power of the witch is diminishing. Yeah. Her sled can't even work anymore. That's right. She has to get out and yeah. walk. Um, and she's like, she's got Edmund all tied up in this evil little dwarf, and like uh, making them walk. But but yeah, in the movie, there's this scene where like the wolves catch up with them, and they're yeah. like, yeah, the uh, river is melting, and so they're trying to get across but it's like melting into icebergs and the water. Yeah, None of that happens. Okay, I didn't think so. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I don't remember That's this. That's just <laughs> something they stuck in there to be like, oh, here'd be a good movie A little scene. bit more action. Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> I think it would have been fine if they had left that For out, sure. but who knows. Um, but yeah, so at this point in the book, it's just a race. Mm-hmm. Like the, the queen was going to beat them to the table, which I don't think would have done much good anyway. Right. But uh, everything melted and like, Edmund is with her. He's tied up. He's like freezing Yeah. But before long. He's not because it's like getting hot mm-hmm. and like there's blooms. Uh, they drive by some, uh, some squirrels who are having a Christmas party. <laughs> Just again, another like beautiful thing where it's like, Oh yes. To all our, of our brothers and sisters, bring the figgy pudding. And it's like, and then the witch comes like, what's this? Who brought you these gifts? And like, don't you dare say Father Christmas. And the little squirrel's like, Father Christmas. And then she like, <laughs> she turns them to stone. Man. It's like evil. And like, apparently, I think it's mentioned in the book, like, there they sit forever. I don't Aww. know. So I don't know. I don't, maybe Aslan helps Let's them hope Aslan comes okay. back. And yeah, that's right. Hooks them up. Hopefully. <laughs> But so, okay, so there are these two groups, the witch and the kids, they're all racing to the table. The kids get there first because of the snow problems um, that uh, the witch has. 
and uh, and there they they get to meet Aslan finally, mm-hmm. and they're really excited, but they're also really scared, and that's where the whole he's not a tame lion starts coming in. Yeah. It's like here's this guy; he's supposed to be like the creator, the king of Narnia. He's doing all these wonderful things. They have this feeling of hope and joy, mm-hmm. even just when they heard his name and the more they learned about him, and then they see him; he's a huge lion, and they're like, okay. <laughs> We don't know what's going to happen here. You know, like maybe he's going to give us a high five. Maybe he's going to eat us. Don't <laughs> know. It's fine. That's right. <laughs> and, um, that's right. <laughs> and so they go up to him and like, he's just like uh, this. He's awesome. Basically, yeah. you know, like he's wise. He's brave. He's uh, he tells the truth always, even if it like is hard to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and so of course, you know, like in the story, Aslan is Jesus. And this is something I talked about in the sermon too, but like <laughs> sometimes we think of like Narnia as an allegory for Jesus. That's not true. Like, I don't think Lewis liked allegory that much. Um, I don't maybe either. it was Tolkien. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. But like, he's not, he actually is Jesus in the book. Say Al Gore. Al Gore. Yeah. Yeah. He, <laughs> Invented the internet. Yes. Yeah. And lockbox. Name drop. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah. So, so <laughs> Aslan, as it's revealed in Narnia and other places in the Chronicles of Narnia, he is Jesus, right? Like in our world, people know him as Jesus. He, but he's, you know, God is God. God is the God above all gods. So, if there are other worlds, unseen realms, stuff like that. God created those two. In fact, we say that in our creed, right? We believe that he created all worlds seen and unseen. And this is something, again, Lewis, Tolkien, um, you know, uh, uh, Lengel, I would say even like uh, uh, Rowling, like, although for her, her, a lot of her story takes place in the quote unquote unseen world. It's the wizarding world, you know, like the sort of world behind the normal. That's the perilous realms for her. Um, But like, God's in all of it, you know, like there's no area away from God. And so like the lion Aslan is how Jesus appears in that world, um, in the world of Narnia. And he like, you know, not to spoil anything, but in the magician's nephew, it talks about the creation of Narnia and like Aslan is there. He's singing it into existence. Right. Um, yeah, really cool. And like all the stars sing along with him and like, that's uh, awesome. It's a cool thing. Yeah. (laughs) And it's just like the creation story for our world, which is like God spoke and it was so right. Mm -hmm. He creates nonviolently just sort of saying things and joyfully things respond by existing. It's pretty cool. And it was good. So that's who they're meeting. They're meeting this Aslan guy and it's like, great. They're really excited. Okay. There's all sorts of, um, uh, we'll get there. We will. We will get to the end of the book. Don't worry. Um, I'm telling you how much time it's been. Yeah, <laughs> we're almost we there. Not we're almost far there, enough. Guys. Come on, yep. man. Gird your loins. Let's do this. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so he's there. A whole bunch of animals. All the animals who are on his side have been gathered to him, and not just animals, but all these mythical creatures, centaurs, and excuse me, fawns, mm-hmm. and like you know, like a. a a bull with a human head and like all, all these things. And they're all, all this stuff is stuff that uh, Lewis is like trying to expose kids to that not, isn't just strictly Christian. It's not just from the gospels or ancient, um, uh, ancient Israel or something like that. He also, because he also saw like all human 
um, storytelling, myth-making, stuff like that, even though some of it is very fallen, mm -hmm. um, some of it like participate in pagan rites that we sure don't want to have anything to do with, <laughs> uh, worship of false gods, but the act of human imagination and storytelling always participates in some way with the divine, you know, like, um, and so he's trying to expose us, not just to the pattern of the gospels, but the pattern of the gospels in the context of the whole literary tradition of the West. Um, so like kids will not only get to know Jesus in Aslan, but also how Jesus interacts with us, how Jesus interacts with the, um, uh, sort of the perilous realms in the realms of our, of, of the spiritual realms and all of the literature that you know at least at the time was sort of what people were supposed to be learning in grammar school you know like you <laughs> read the you know uh, the homer's odyssey at some point right. in in your in your education so he's trying to put all of this together in this context and tolkien incidentally hated this like <laughs> tolkien was he was so like he made a whole totally self-referential world that was perfect right he invented language yeah, they all had their own languages <laughs> yeah it was very consistent you know he didn't just throw random things in there lewis is like i'm throwing everything in there there's gonna be centaurs uh christmas you know father Chris, santa claus will be there and then like bacchus and also naiads and dryads oh and there'll be a witch and like you know it's like just everything talking animals beavers you know like whatever he want but it weren't, wasn't random. It weren't Tolkien's languages like actual like yeah. they, like they could actually be Oh yeah. Yeah. That's just yeah, wild, it's like man. Klingon. Mm -hmm. Like consistent. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Klingon. <God>. I had a <laughs> tape to like a learn Klingon tape once. I did not have the attention span to learn Klingon. This however. is the nerdiest podcast we've ever the done. The nerdiest. <laughs> yep. Oh man, once we get into the third half, it's like <laughs> Yep. Anyway, okay, so here's, here is Aslan amongst his faithful creatures. Now, um, the witch shows up with all the unfaithful creatures, and it's like hags and vampires and ghosts and goblins and orcs, yeah. and like some trolls and whatnot, and all the bad creatures, basically. Um, and um, basically, they uh, uh, make a deal. Uh, make a deal where... Uh, um, oh, actually, I'm sorry, I missed one part. They go and form a rescue party, and they rescue Edmund. Oh, yeah. And they almost kill the witch and her dumb little dwarf helper. <laughs> uh, but they don't. They use their magic to disguise themselves. And then, uh, so they get Edmund back. Now, the witch comes, and she demands Edmund's life because he's a traitor. And she says, you know the deep magic as well as I do, Aslan. You know I get to kill him because my job, uh, you know, sort of my job is to be to be the executor of justice on evil people um so it comes out later that's what the stone table is for it has all these deep magic engravings Ooh. in it right and so like um basically the mr beaver nails it when he says like oh so that's where you think you get your authority which like you used to be the emperor's hangman by this, we're talking about the emperor of the sea, who is God the father, the father of Aslan. Um, you think as you used to be the emperor's hangman, you get to like uh, rule over everyone, right? Because essentially everyone's an evil person to her who like falls short of the glory of God. Now here, it's very much like, like Satan in the Lucifer. Bible. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. 
So it's like uh, the fallen angel whose mm-hmm. job it was to, you know, basically be God's prosecutor in the book of Job, say, right? And like take care of evil people, but who falls, you know, um, Jesus says in Matthew, like I saw Satan fall like lightning. Let's talk about in Revelation 2 where it's like there's this spiritual power of God's justice, of God's vengeance uh, that that turns evil and it starts like wanting to kill all the humans space you know like because we're all to some degree or another sinful you know mm-hmm. like everyone sins and falls short of the glory of god so here's the witch who's using this sort of power of like punishing evil mm-hmm. um to dominate others to do evil essentially to justify her own reign over god's imperfect creatures so basically to sum up Aslan goes to uh, uh, on a walk with her, and they talk secretly for a while. We don't hear it. Yeah, we don't as hear the it. Reader no. slash listener. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is where we get super like yes, t- Lewis wants people to understand the thrust of the Christian life and narrative. Um, and basically, they come back, and Aslan's just like, you know what, as uh, Edmund is free, he's been released. Yay! Yay! Hooray! <laughs> But then that night, everyone's just like, yay. And the, no one knows what's going to happen yet. Is there going to be a war? What's what's going on? <laughs> then that night, Susan and Lucy wake up and Aslan has started walking away from the camp. And they see him and there's something disturbing to them. And so they walk with him and he's sad. He's like, he's like dragging his hooves. And he's just like, please, you know, like uh, when he finds them following him, he says, please come along um, with me. I, I could use the company. And it turns out he's walking, you know, to his own death. The deal he's made is, of course, that he's giving his life in exchange for Edmund's. Um, And so the witch, of course, agreed to that because Aslan's the one whose power broke her power over Narnia. And she's like, perfect. This works out well for everyone. No, 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 take the kid. It's great. And so this very much is like, this is like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know... Aslan, again, Aslan is Jesus. So Aslan is God, yeah. just like Jesus is God in the Garden of Gethsemane. But Let like this cup pass away. That's right. Exactly. He is incarnate. He knows what it is to like suffer. And he's taking on the suffering mm. really of Edmund and, you know, in on the cross of all of us. And so like it's a hard thing for anyone to do. Mm-hmm. In, even Jesus, even Aslan. It's like it's difficult and yet he says and yet you know thy will be done in the garden and so he goes forward too but he just wants sort of company along with that he wants his disciples lucy and susan representing here to go along with him Mm -hmm. now there's also some cool stuff about how it's lucy and susan who are always with him for his death and for his resurrection because in the Gospels, too, it's the females, it's the women who follow Jesus. True. Aside from John, the one, the beloved disciple there, like, it's the women who are with him mm-hmm. all the way to the cross. It's the women who go to the tomb in the morning and find him, and find him that he's been raised from the dead. All the men are, like, hiding yeah. and don't even believe Mary Magdalene when she comes to tell. So, okay, so they, they go there. How on the nose would it be if Peter had denied him three times? In the book? I know, that's true, that's true. Yeah, he could have got that. <laughs> 
It's like, oh man, the, the book would be too long. Know. That's right. <laughs> Who's that? That's right. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like a rooster-headed man <laughs> crying in the background. But yeah. So okay. So it goes along pretty much at this point, just like in the Gospels. So Aslan voluntarily gives himself up. He is. He's not stripped because he doesn't wear clothes. He's a yeah, lion. Shaved. Um, but shaved, yeah. His mane is shaved off. Bound. He spit at mm. everyone, mocks him. They're really afraid of him when he yeah. comes in there because he could kill all of them. Um, but he makes himself powerless before all the evil of the world. Given he, the lightness of the book, it's a pretty brutal scene. It is. When it I was is. reading it to Ivy, I was kind of like, I, should, I don't know if you should. Yes. It's really brutal. <laughs> it's it does you. not. Yeah, that's right. And then they tie him up. And they drag him onto the uh, table of sacrifice of, yeah. of basically the, uh, it's like a gallows. Mm-hmm. And um, and they and the witch kills him with a knife, with a ceremonial Stabs. knife. Mm-hmm. And uh, he dies. And he's dead. And all the cr- evil the creatures end. go off. <laughs> That's right. The end. But it does not end there, folks. But then, so, of course, all the creatures, they run off. Susan and Lucy hide in the bushes. Uh, they go. And they're just... They're just sad, you know, like here too, like, um, uh, so, so C.S. Lewis in his book, um, uh, uh, that not that hideous strength, that hideous strength is the sci-fi book that's based on it. But, uh, the abolition of man, uh. he talks about how the big thing missing in education for children is, uh, a training of the heart, right? Ooh. They get a training of the mind and they kind of. You know, we all get a training of the senses, you know, like of physical things and whatnot. But in England at the time, and I would say now and in America too, there's a loss of the training of the heart. Like, what should we love? How should we, like, there's this idea that however you feel is is true. You know, like, yeah. if you go see a waterfall, he uses a specific example, and you're like, oh, it's just a waterfall, who cares? Uh, you know, then that's true for you. And if you go to a waterfall, the Niagara Falls, and you're like, that's a sublime thing. It's like, well, that's true for you. What you mean by that is you feel sublime. Mm. That's You're describing just your own emotions. There's no reality there that you're reacting to. Mm-hmm. He thought this was terrible, a terrible <laughs> idea. Like, no, like uh, Niagara Falls is objectively magical. You know, like it's objective, like going to see the Grand Canyon in person that should awe you. If it doesn't awe you, you need to retrain <laughs> <You're> yourself. <broken. laughs> That's right. And like, it's the same with art and music and stuff like that. Now he wasn't saying like, Oh, well, if you don't go listen to this concerto and you're not amazed, mm-hmm. there's something like wrong with you. But he's saying the purpose of education is to show people why this waterfall, this concerto, well, like art, music, beauty, why it is, truly magnificent in and of itself mm-hmm. and to appreciate those things like you're a musician you probably know there's like some music that is like oh this is great you know like pop music it's fun you listen yeah. to it there's some music that like when you first hear it i don't know like brian eno or something like that it's like it's music for musicians and right. a lot of people are like i don't, I don't why is it so don't important? identify yeah that's right <laughs> but if you know music the more you know about music the mm-hmm. more you see like the genius of it or whatever, you know, like yeah. there's an actual real goodness and beauty to it mm-hmm. that you need to like grow to love. So here's my theory of 
part of what he's doing with his children's book is like he wants you to identify with Lucy and Susan when they are sad with Aslan, when they are horrified by the treatment, when they're when they're heartbroken that he's dead. And then, of course, what happens when the sun rises, they hear the smashing of the table and Aslan is alive again. And then they're joyful and like. There's like a war going on in the background, like, <laughs> but they just spend some time running in the fields and frolicking, <laughs> like it's was awesome. That a, was is that uh, parallel the uh, tearing of the? Curtain? Yes, yeah, like the tearing the of the curtain. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> there, there's an earthquake, you know, like all yeah. that stuff. It's like it's a big deal, you know, like because the resurrection of Jesus for us, it's not just like oh well, Jesus is alive again. Isn't that nice? <laughs> it's like no. Death is destroyed, right? Hell is abolished. You know, like he went to the land of the dead and he punched death in the face. And it's like <laughs> no longer like it no longer has any power over us, you know? Uh, so it's like it's all that um, the, the the stone table symbolized like the rule of the white queen on the basis of the fact that creatures are imperfect. But mm-hmm. now it's like, pff, no, you can be imperfect and you can still, you know part of this literal kingdom that yeah. Aslan is setting up. Okay. Cruising home. We're cruising home here. Whew. Should we stop for a part four? No, no. Okay. We'll, we'll finish. We'll yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, there's all of these like reactions that he's for. This is where the formation comes in. He doesn't want you just to like, know. Oh, well, here's the story of Jesus kids, but I used the lion. So you understand. <laughs> um, no, it's like, how do we respond how do we know like what to think and feel and like he's trying to reveal the beauty and the depth of tragedy of the cross and the heights of joy of resurrection and like so that we know what how to respond on good friday and easter sunday you know like all that stuff so Long story short, they start running off. They get on Aslan's back, and he's carrying them, and he's running super fast because he's, you know, magic lion. And um, they go all the way. They don't go to the battle that Peter is waging against the witch. The witch thinks she's got it all sewn up now. She's going to kill him because Aslan can't help them anymore. Pete's got it covered. Yeah, he does hold his own. (laughs) But so Aslan, like, they ride to the witch's castle, which Mm -hmm. is there too. It's like, this is true like historical Christian tradition. Um, A lot of evangelicals like really love uh, C.S. Lewis, um, but sometimes they're mystified by like certain things he says or is writing about. And partially that's because he's not an evangelical, right? He's an Anglican. He's part of this long tradition where it's like, we really take every little step of Jesus' journey as very seriously. So on Holy Saturday, in between Good Friday, the crucifixion, and Easter Sunday, the resurrection, there's this Holy Saturday in which Jesus is dead in the tomb. Mm-hmm. And he goes, in Christian tradition, he goes to the land of the dead and he sets everyone free. Like he grabs Adam and Eve, or at least all the righteous free, like uh, the righteous dead who've been waiting the Messiah down there, just as people were waiting for the Messiah up here. And so he grabs them all and he like, brings them up into the the kingdom of God, into the heavenly places. Not through resurrection yet. He comes back and is resurrected, but like he sets them free. And so in the book, uh, Aslan, he takes them to the queen's, the evil queen's castle where everyone has been turned to stone. All of her enemies has been turned to stone. And he breathes on them just like 
God breathed to make Adam a real Breath person. Of life. That's right. Um, and they come back to life. And so it's a really, really great thing. Mm-hmm. So now they've got all these reinforcements. All the people. That Tumnus the, is there too, right? Tumnus is there too. Yeah. That's right. Yay, Tumnus. Tumnus. Tumnus is awesome. Um, all the people that the queen thought she had gotten out of the way, she had actually assembled in one place for her own destruction. You know, And this is part of evil turning against itself the things evil does for evil god will use for good and so like they all make their way to the battle when they get there peter and edmund they're doing they're doing okay considering but holding their own that's right they're now but they've started to lose uh at this point they uh, uh the queen has turned a bunch of people to stone on the battlefield edmund because he's now on the right side, he was the one who figured out because he's reason, right? He's the rational mind thinker one. He, instead of attacking the queen directly, which everyone was doing and getting turned to stone, he decided to attack her wand and like broke her wand. He was like, got her. We don't need to, we need to kill her wand first. <laughs> so like he did that. And so like, that was good. And if enough people hadn't been turned to stone already, that might've been the difference where they would just win. Mm-hmm. But at this point, they're probably going to lose too many people. They've lost too many people. Uh, and they're they're but they're fighting fiercely just waiting. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? Well, remember the Alamo. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. That's not a good example. <laughs> no. <laughs> not Reinforcements did not. <laughs> but over the hill comes Aslan back mm-hmm. from the dead. And he's leading you know, he's, this is like almost revelation here, you know, like when Jesus comes back, uh, he comes bringing all, you know, with the resurrection. So bringing all the righteous dead with him, um, to find, to finally cleanse the world of all evil. Like he's defeated the power of evil over us. Uh, and the last day he comes to in, in, uh, make the kingdom for everywhere and all time. So like here comes Aslan, Susan, Lucy, all these just like giants and like all these good creatures. And they, uh, start fighting They're They're decimating all the, the bad creatures. And Aslan himself, you know, runs, 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 <laughs> literally bites the head off the evil queen, the witch, her yummy herself. And, um, at that point, all the evil creatures run away and there'll still be cleanup operations for years to come. <laughs> but that's the end of the battle. At that point, it's party time. They all go to Care Paravel, which is the great kingdom by the, or the castle by the sea. There are four thrones there. And all of the uh, Susan, Peter, Lucy, and Edmund are all crowned kings and queens, which, again, is a weird thing. Yeah. Um, but here, too, we're looking at the book of Revelations. Like, we're called as Christians and we're not just supposed to like, okay, be good down there and you'll get some good stuff in the afterlife. You know, like, what do you like apples? Oh, there's tons of, there's like eternal (laughs) apples. Like, don't worry about it. No. Like the story of Christianity is why does God put us through all this stuff? And like call us to be faithful in difficult times. Like we're actually not just like, you know, getting ready for like just an eternal, a sort of selfish reward, you know, like, I mean, it is good. It's better than anything, but, um, he's, he's trying to train us to be his image and likeness on this earth. So to be rulers of this world, that's what we started out as being in Genesis. And so like the idea is every Christian will have like earn their crown. Of course, it's a crown, not of like the Gentiles who lord it over others. It's a crown of martyrdom. It's a crown of love, of giving oneself for others. 
Um, but so that's how uh, the the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobes end. They get their crowns because they've learned to mm-hmm. sacrifice themselves for others, and they continue to grow into that as wise kings and queens of Narnia. And uh, uh, and Aslan goes away, and that's when, um, you know, again, Lucy's like, where's he going? And Tom's like, I don't know. He comes and goes as he pleases. He's, <laughs> he's not a tame lion, and uh, he does what he wants. And But they're like, but he's good. You know, like, we can trust him. He'll and be back long, when we need him. How long do they reign? They reign a long Does time, so they grow up they into, old. yeah, or they're probably adults, in their yeah. 30s or okay. maybe Peter's in like his early 40s. It doesn't say exactly. It's about but like 20, 30 years, somewhere in there. Probably. Yeah, something like that. They stay in Narnia like for mm-hmm. a long time. They've totally forgotten about their old life in England. Yeah. It's just like a dream to them. And then they're like hunting this white stag and like, oh, here's the, here's how it ends. And it's just beautiful. Like the white stag goes into this thicket and they're like, they can't take their horses in. So they go in there. Everyone else turns back and they see this old rusted lamppost by <gasps> in the trees. What? And they're like, oh, brother, brother Peter, <laughs> this, this lamppost doth make a stirring within me because they all talk like kings and queens right. here too it's like lewis he was a medievalist he's like he's just trying to like be like hey kids it's cool when people talk like this you know like because that's all the stuff he reads he wants people to know and love the the literature for in its ancient context too anyway so um they they're like well uh they're debating like should we go on and follow the stag or not? Like there's obvious, there's some powerful magic here. They don't remember why they remember the, the lamp. Follow a freaking bird, follow the stag. That's Come right. On. That's exactly <laughs> what they do. They decide we have to take the adventure that comes to us. And this is a line that comes up in C.S. Lewis all the time. It's like, you don't know what God wants from you. We try to discern, but there's discernment in Christianity is not like, oh, well, I'll sit here and I'll talk to my priest and I'll like figure out the exact plan God has for my life. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just check off I'm the boxes. Waiting for you to give that to me. No, exactly. That's right. No, <laughs> the Christian life is preparation all the time using every experience, whether we do well or do bad. We repent of the bad stuff we do. We give thanks for the good stuff we do because God did it through us so that we're always prepared for whatever random crap comes up because it that's always what God's call sees, seems like to us. It's like, where did this come from? But oftentimes that's like the adventure that comes to you. That's what you need to be, um, be prepared for. Um, and so C.S. Lewis has talks a lot about this in like the screw tape letters. It's like people will deceive themselves again, rationally thinking they're trying to prepare themselves for like, Oh, what if I go to war and will I be brave in battle and blah, blah, blah. And they'll get so caught up in all this stuff that hasn't happened yet. They forget to like treat their mother well, or like they're like being impatient with her. Cause it's like, get out of here. Don't you know I'm preparing for these important things? It's like, no, the important thing is the thing that's right in front of you. Mm-hmm. That's what God wants to put before you. And so that's what you need to follow. Take the next steps, the adventure that comes to you. So they do all of a sudden, boom, they're back in the world. They haven't aged a day. They're children who've lived these so lives of kings and queens yes and does so get, like does it get more into that in future books yes we started does. prince caspian and they kind of go right back in yes to narnia yeah that's right but is there some like real life also when they're like 
Yeah. Out. Okay, sweet. There. I mean, no, 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 no. There's not <laughs> a lot about their like that's just their lives I in wanna, the real world. I would like but, to that. I want that book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there is like there are jumps between Adventures mm-hmm. in Narnia and all the Pevensey children don't go back over and over again. Uh, it, like Peter and Susan kind of stop for a while and then you know the younger two and then there's other people who get roped in to going like uh people there and they have adventures there is one cool adventure called the horse and his boy Mm -hmm. um which is part of the chronicles of narnia it's on the mercury uh theme um like communication speed travel prequel though it's sort of it happens within it's sort of a side story okay Years after the Pevensey kids are kings and queens, uh, they go. Susan is being wooed by this king from this other kingdom or prince <laughs> from another kingdom, and they go to visit. And like, it actually doesn't start with that. That this other story kind of runs into them. This uh, um, this boy and this talking horse from Narnia, who <laughs> um, who are trying to escape that land and get back to Narnia. They're both slaves. Well, uh, the horse is a horse, but owned. So yeah, I want life outside the wardrobe. I want to see like they're a bunch of yeah. like, boss babies, you know. Just. There's a little bit. Uh, actually, the magician's nephew probably has the most outside of Narnia nice. stuff. It's cool, but that is kind of a prequel. Um, so it's like uh, okay, yeah, okay. yeah. Well, there we the are. Book. We did it. One hour and fifteen minutes. Not bad. Good Not job. Bad. Could have been worse. That's a normal. No time for a yeah, question. We won't do a question. That's yeah. fine. Uh, email one in. I've got yes. a th- some thoughts on. Uh, following up on Sam's question about the difference between, we talked about the difference between religions a little bit, but also she asked, how does God coexist with gods? And like, that's an interesting question too. So we'll hit that next time. Yeah. Yeah. Tune in for the next seven weeks as we discuss that's Prince right. Caspian. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Yes. Hopefully you guys uh, were entertained by this. Yes. Hopefully. Uh, we, we let Father Eric get some, some C.S. Lewis out of his system. Uh, yes. Hopefully for the last time ever. It'll only make it worse. Ah, oh, jeez. Or better. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. It's yeah. a great book, though. If you haven't read it, check it out. Yeah. Uh, I'll be reading the others yes. with, uh, with Ivy as time goes on. Her so attention span waxes and wanes, so I don't yes. <laughs> who knows when she's going to want to read it. But <laughs> yep. The whole series is awesome, and also other C.S. Lewis books. So if you want to write in and tell us what your favorite C.S. Lewis book is, or any ask any questions about sort of Lewis Tolkien, this kind of stuff, I love all that stuff. So I'm not saying I know the answer to everyone's <laughs> question, but like I would love to entertain it, research it, find out, and, and we can talk about it on a future episode. So Heck do yeah. write in at uh, after the likeness at gmail.com. That's the one. Yeah. Like, rate, subscribe, review, whatever. Woo-hoo. Yes. Do Did all we that say stuff. thank you? There have been a bunch of five star reviews on uh Apple iTunes, iPod I podcast. I think we did but okay it never well, gets thank old. you thank again, you guys listeners. <laughs> yeah thank you thank you all listeners who listen especially if you've listened this far oh i know goodness. man we're good at, job uh 28 29 episodes something yeah, like that that's so right we're moving along exactly and to all of you in 2043 <laughs> thanks for binging. our <laughs> robot overlords man we gotta party if we ever make it to episode 100 oh yeah that's a good idea do something some rowdy yeah but we do have some awesome plans for this uh season mm-hmm. quote unquote of the podcast so you guys keep listening yep keep we, on listening we appreciate the heck out of you mm-hmm. <laughs> so guys we'll see you next time we'll see you next you're time. the best i'm matt kitchen and i'm father eric and this is after, after the, the likeness, likeness.
Bye, guys. Bye.